2015. This is the Hermetic Hour, and I'm your host, Polk Runyon, and tonight we present a discussion on the quasi-Masonic Rite of Memphis, sometimes called the Rite of Memphis and Mizraim, which is highly irregular in Orthodox Masonic circles and is usually considered a clandestine, that's unrecognized and proscribed organization, to which regular Masons cannot belong. Now, this collection of rites or degrees, 96 of them, actually 97, uh, has a long and colorful history, which we will delve into consulting uh, Mackey, uh, uh, Calvin C. Um, Brett, John Yarker, and Alan Greenfield. And in the 1880s, the Rite of Memphis infiltrated the Scottish Rite Northern Jurisdiction and went into competition with Scottish Rite itself to see which system would become an accepted advanced, that's a Red Lodge, along with the York Rite for regular American Masons. Scottish Rite's 33-degree system won out on this turf war with Albert Pike's help and uh, the right of M&M disappeared into the College of Defunct Masonic Rites. Yes, there is such an institution. And the same thing had happened to it in France a 100 years earlier, when the Grand Orient absorbed it and locked it up in their archives. But the M&M is not easily suppressed. Its founder, after signing it over to the Grand Orient, sneaked it into Moldavia, one of Dracula's hangouts, and it briefly rose again. Now, recently, Masonic Mavericks Alan Greenfield and Jeff Peace to resurrect it here in the United States. Uh, Jeff Peace trying to get a number of regular Masons who were interested in the esoteric, who were interested in the esoteric involved in the M&M at their peril. So, if you would like to explore a delightfully conspiratorial and deliciously controversial secret society that claims to have all the secrets of ancient masonry, and certainly enough of its degrees, well then, tune in with us and we'll sail up the Nile and uh, visit the pyramids. Oh, we have a really big show tonight, like Ed Sullivan used to say. 97 degrees, oh boy. And, uh, this is really, I think, a fascinating subject. And, and uh, uh, so, the way, what we what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to uh, let uh, we're going to let uh, various authorities do the uh, uh, do the show for us. And I have here with me a stack of weighty tomes. The first weighty tome, of course, I have is by Weight himself, and that's the New Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. And then I have I have uh, Albert Mackey's uh, 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 Albert Mackey's big um, big blue uh, encyclopedia. What, what they call this thing? But Mackey's revised Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, Volume Two. And then I even have uh, Kenneth Mackenzie's uh, the Royal Masonic Encyclopedia. So we are going to we're going to get hand on top of that. I have and best the best yet I have. Secret High Degree Rituals of the Masonic Rite of Memphis by John Yarker. And John Yarker, of course, uh, uh, rewrote a few of them and uh, probably improved them somewhat. But um, let's start out. 
I think, with the most with with a comment by Albert Pike, uh, and I'll read this in. Uh, and of course, you you know General 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 Pike, uh, you know was. Uh, had, a, had a regiment of American Indians that fought against the Yankees during a, uh, during the Civil War, and, or the War Between the States, as they call it in the South. And uh, he got in a lot of trouble because his Indians were scalping Yankees, and that, that wasn't so good. But, uh, yeah, and um, so what Albert, what, what Albert Pike had to say about um, about the right of Memphis, Whatever the merits of the Egyptian right or right of Memphis may be, it is quite sure that it is not generally recognized as a legitimate right of Freemasonry. That the bodies of it in the United States of America are entitled to and receive no consideration. It having been constantly used here for the purposes of private profit, and that elsewhere in the world it has only uh here and there two or three isolated supreme powers which cannot uh be recognized nor have any relations or correspondence and amnity with those of the ancient and accepted right now let me um let me uh, elaborate a little bit on what pike says here he what he's saying is is that uh, that uh whatever grand lodges overseas uh recognize the right of memphis uh they're not uh, they're, they're not in uh, uh there's no reciprocity with 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 scottish with ancient accepted scottish right that's what he means now uh and this was this was albert pike january 20th 1884 now however uh at some time um sometime after that um, I don't know exactly how long after that, but but uh, United Grand Lodge of England obviously did allow John Yarker uh, to uh, uh, to uh, particular version of it, um, and uh, so uh, there were and in uh, the situation with the Grand Orient, which we'll get into as we go through this, uh, the Grand Orient in France. Now there's. Uh, uh, some people think the Grand Orient is the only Grand Lodge in France. That's not true. There are two of them. There's, in the, there's, uh, there's, uh, the, the, there's the, the Grand Lodge of Masons in France, and then there is this Grand Orient. And the Grand Orient is, um, well, it's it's more interested in, in, in esoteric sort of rights, perhaps, than, than the regular uh, French Grand Lodge. But uh, it... Uh, it in, in, in two times, two different times, it took uh, both the right of Mizraim, which came earlier, and then the right of Memphis, and it took them under its jurisdiction, and then it locked them away. It said, you know, and the reason why it did, why it did this, is because, and this is the whole meat of the situation, uh, the Grand Orient in France is entirely um, um, in in um, sympathy with Scottish Rite. In fact, Scottish Rite is originally French. It's not. It's not Scottish. Uh, it, it, all these, these these the Scottish Rites originally French, and the Grand Orient was uh, was its uh, repositories. It's it's and the Scottish Rite has thirty three degrees. And if you are a thirty, if you are a Scottish Rite Mason, 
you have to take you note know, that you that there are no more than thirty three degrees, and so consequently, if uh, if the, 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 the Grand Orient in France, uh, they realized that that uh, that this Mizraim, and then years later Memphis were both collections of Scottish Rite degrees. That had been uh, that had been not, not even not even that much redone. They were just they were just copies of these degrees. And and what had happened was is that the founders claimed that oh well uh, these are just the earlier versions and we have an older right. This well of course this <laughs> one of the founders uh, was uh, actually had been in Scottish right and had access to the Scottish Rite scripts and and then he got thrown out of Scottish Rite for bad conduct and and the scripts went with him and of course they went into into the right right of Memphis and Mizraim. So um um let's uh let's let's uh, get Albert Mackey out here and and we'll have see what what um what he has to say about this whole thing. And um so, I'm into the big book here. Uh, Memphis, right of. In 1839, two French Freemasons, named respectively Marconis and Moulet, of whom the former was undoubtedly the leader, instituted first at Paris, then at Marseille, and then afterwards at Brussels, a new rite which they called the Rite of Memphis, and which consisted of 91, and of course we know that they eventually added it all the way up to 97, 97 degrees. Subsequently, another degree was added to this already too long list. The Rite, however, has repeatedly undergone modifications. The Rite of Memphis was undoubtedly founded on the extinct Rite of Mizraim. For, as Ragon says, and he's a French Masonic authority, the Egyptian rite seems to have inspired Marconis and Moulet in their organization of their new rite. It is said by Ragon, that, uh, who has written copiously on the rite, that the first series of degrees extending to the 35th degree is an assumption of the 30th three degrees of the ancient and accepted right, and that's Scottish right, uh, with scarcely a change of name. The remaining degrees of the right are borrowed according to the to the same authority uh, from other well-known systems and some perhaps the invention of their founders. The right of Memphis was not at, at first recognized by the Grand Orient of France and, and, and consequently formed no part of legal French Freemasonry. So about 1852, its lodges were closed by the civil authority and the right to use a French Masonic phrase when they went to sleep. In other words, the lodges went dark. A a lodge was operating in 1859 as the Reformed Masonic Order of Memphis or right of the Grand Lodge of Philadelphia's in England, and issuing uh, certificates of membership. The Grand Secretary of the Grand Lodge of England therefore sent out a circular warning members of the English lodges against spurious lodges claiming to be Masonic. 
Um, at this point, I'm going to I'm going to discuss this whole business of clandestine uh, lodges. A uh, clandestine lodge, as is is defined as as a is as uh, belonging to an organization that claims to make masons, and and they claim to make masons, and and they can have a, a some kind of a ritual, uh, but if the, 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 the way it works is if if uh, they uh, e- even if e- even if you have to be a mason to get into them, uh, then then they are that that's also that's also considered uh, being clandestine if they insist that you be a mason from a regular jurisdiction, and uh, this is where people get in trouble. Uh, regular masons get in get in trouble uh, in joining something like M and M. You you uh, you really get in trouble because if you show your dues card to get into one of their rituals, uh, you you and, and and your grand lodge finds out about it, you're going to be you're going to be wishing you hadn't. Um, now to continue though, in the year 1862, Marconis, still faithful to the system which he had invented, applied to the Grand Master of France to give it a new life. The Grand College of Rites was consulted on the subject, and the Council of the Order, having made a favorable decree, the Rite of Memphis was admitted uh, in uh, was admitted in November 1862. Among those Masonic systems which acknowledge obedience to the Grand Orient of France, and uh, and perform their functions within its bosom. To obtain this position, however, the uh, the only one which in France preserves a Masonic system from the, the uh, reputation of being clandestine, it was necessary that Mar- Marconis, who was then the Grand Hierophant, should, as a step preliminary to any favorable action on the part of the Grand Orient, take an obligation by which he forever after divested himself of all authority of any kind whatsoever over the right. It passed entirely out of his hands. And going into the obedience of the Grand Orient, that body was has taken complete and undivided possession of it and laid it, its advanced degrees upon the shelf as Masonic curiosities, since the Grand Orient only recognizes in practice the 33 degrees of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite. Now that, that is the key to all this, this business. And this, this, uh, this didn't happen just once, it's happened several times. Um, in fact, I think it's happened in this country. This then became the position of the Rite of Memphis in France. Its original uh, possessors have disclaimed all further control or direction of it. It has been admitted by the Grand Orient among the eight systems of rights which are placed under its obedience. That is to say, it admits its, it is, it, it, it admits its existence, but it does not suffer it to be worked. Like all Masonic rites that have ever been invented, the organization of the Rite of Memphis is founded on the first three degrees of ancient craft masonry. And these three degrees, of course, are given in symbolic lodges. That's what we call blue lodges. In 1862, when Marconis surrendered the right 
into the hands of the ruling powers of the French Freemasonry, many of these lodges existed in various parts of France, and although in a dormant condition, because as we have already seen ten years before, they had been closed by the civil authority. Had they been in active operation, they would not have been uh, they would not have been recognized by the French Freemasons. They would have have been looked upon as clandestine, and there would have been no affiliation with them, because the Grand Orient recognizes no Masonic body as legal, which do not in return recognize it as the head of French Freemasonry. But when Mark, Mark, when Mar, Marconis surrendered his powers as Grand Hierophant to the Rite of Memphis and, um, and to the Grand Orient, that body permitted these lodges uh, to be resuscitated and reopened only on the condition that they would acknowledge their submission to the Grand Orient and that they would work only, only uh, its first three degrees and never confer any degree higher than that of Master Mason. The members of these lodges, however, uh, however high, might be their their dignities, might be their their dignities in the rights of Memphis, and were and, and were to be recognized only as Master Masons. In other words, they that that uh, the right of Memphis could give them all kinds of of fancy degrees with, with impressive titles. But that didn't mean anything to the Grand Orient. The, the highest, these, these people were no higher than Master Masons as far as they were concerned. And, uh, and that, that, you know, and that's sort of a, a that's kind of a, almost a general rule of that red lodges, and that's, that's you know, advanced higher lodges. You, you really, uh, all of their members, no matter, you might be the Prince of the Royal Secret and all the rest of this, but you're still, when it comes right down to it, you're, you're a Master Mason. This, these, uh, these titles, a lot of them are, you know, uh, almost supercilious. Like, uh, and you can satire them endlessly. Like, oh well, yes, I, he's he's a keeper of the royal chamber pot, you know, or something like that. And and it, uh, but the, you're really they they're they're just, they're 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 really just honorary. And uh, and that same thing applies, by the way, in in. Uh, uh, as far as we're concerned, in our organization, you know, you give, we give a person a fancy title, give them a fancy degree, but that doesn't that doesn't give them any any particular power. They think it does sometimes, but it doesn't. Um, now, such became the condition of the right of Memphis in France that it was absorbed into the Grand Orient. Marconis, its founder and head, surrendered all claim to any jurisdiction over it. And there are lodges under the jurisdiction of the Grand Orient, which originally belonged to the right of Memphis, and they practice its ritual, but only as, but only so far as to give degrees of, of apprentice, fellowcraft, and master mason. Uh, let's digress a little bit here and explain uh, something about this. Uh, because Grand Orient did uh, take the, the, both both Mizraim and Memphis and all these, and literally put them on the shelf, or, or as Waite put it, put them in, a, in one of their pigeonholes. And uh, because of that, they had it. In other words, they had the right, as, as it says here. They uh, they possessed it. But um, when when uh, Seymour, an African, uh, a fellow by the name of Seymour over in the United States, he decided to get it going back in Pike's time, 
when they had the little turf war between uh, uh, my right of Memphis and, and, and regular Scottish right, um, he, uh, and this I found out from Calvin, Calvin Brutt's uh, uh, documentation on this, he got um, <laughs> the Grand Orient of France to agree to have reciprocity with the northern jurisdiction of Scottish Rite. But what he did, but yeah, but what he didn't do. So he got him to do that. But what he didn't do was uh, was uh, actually get their permission uh, to use uh, Memphis and Mizraim. But he he just made that assumption and he just proceeded to you know to, to try to, to get it going here in this country. And and for a while he was uh, he, he what was happening was he was initiating his his brothers in Scottish right. And when when Scottish Rite finally, when they realized that my gosh, we were we're uh, um, these people are 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 getting yeah they're getting very powerful and, and really, and so Scottish Rite had to, had to uh, and, and prevailed upon the various Grand Lodges, uh, you know, and and uh, and they had themselves a bit of a and they had some legal hassles and one thing or other, but finally, finally Scottish Rite the the uh, uh, the various Grand Lodges. Now, in the United States, we don't have like the Grand Orient or the, or the Grand Lodge of uh, France or the United Grand Lodge of England. We, we don't have that. We don't have a, uh, an American uh, United Grand Lodge. There's a phony one on the Internet. You can find the United Grand Lodge of the United States, but it's completely phony. And uh, but, So each state has its own, has its own Grand Lodge. But uh, but they do have a certain this kind of commonality that they follow, and and uh, uh, these advanced lodges like the Arkwright, uh, which has the, the Knights Templar uh, section, that that the more Christian oriented uh, higher degrees of masonry, Royal Arch and cryptic priests and those that those um, um, uh, and by the way. All of their rituals uh, were were copied and and and, and stuck into uh, and stuck into Memphis and Mizraim too. Memphis and Mizraim ended up to be a, literally a grab bag of every Masonic ritual that these people could get away could manage to get a copy of. And of course, obviously, if you're going to stage rituals, there are scripts floating around. So so uh, they. Uh, <laughs> It does happen, and and this was um, uh, so York Rite and Scottish Rite were the the leading uh, uh, red lodges, the ones that after you became Master Mason, then you could go ahead and you could get into uh, either York Rite or Scottish Rite, or do both of them. I did both of them, uh, and and but uh, uh, and then and then you know you can you can work your way up through and. And uh, through those degrees, and and uh, and, and personally, I, I think Scottish Rite is, is is really, 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 really a significant experience. So I very much, I very much recommend it. Uh, but uh, as I said, Memphis, uh, the Rite of Memphis, was uh, appealing to people with this idea. See, they had a, a uh, they had a, a, a charter myth. Uh, that I think we ought to discuss. 
you know, the the the, the charter myth on, on on masonry is the higher myth story, and we're all familiar with that. You know, the architect of the temple, and and you know, King Solomon and King Hiram of Tyre, the Phoenician, and and Hiram of Beth, the architect of the three grand masters building the temple, and then of course Hiram Hiram gets uh, murdered by by uh, three disgruntled workmen because he won't give them the, the secret, uh, and uh, and that's the charter myth that basically of, of Freemasonry. Uh, so uh, in, in Memphis and Mizraim, they had to have one too, you know. So they came up with this uh, this thing about this uh, uh, this this Coptic uh, uh, priest or or bishop or something in in Cairo, who uh, back in in uh, um, hundreds of years ago came out with the what all these degrees and and. Uh, and, uh, and that that became supposedly the basis for uh, you know for the foundation of all all the Scottish Rite and some of the York Rite degrees and whatever, and 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 uh, this was there. Then he in turn communicated this to to some other people, and finally this thing uh, supposedly got established. Well, this is a myth. This is a charter myth, and it's. Uh, it's sort of like uh, uh, Fräulein Sprangle and the Golden Dawn. It's it's uh, it's 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 a, it's a good story, but but it's it, you know there's no foundation in, in fact on it at all. And actually, Mar- Marcotus and, and Moulet and and uh, the other the other fellow, the, the guy, the, uh, the the other Frenchman who started the earlier writer of of, of, of Mizraim, um, they. Um, they did this themselves, and they invented their own charter myth. Now, I'm not—I don't want to give the impression that there isn't some uh, valuable material in uh, in in M and M. There is, and for one thing, when it got over to England, it was—it came under the uh, under the wing of uh, uh, a man who who just was a prodigious kind of a auto-type scholar, uh, sort of a self-educated uh, scholar who collected Masonic rites, and even more so than Memphis and Mizraim, he collected a lot of them. And this guy's name was John Yarker, and he just was fascinated with, the, with Memphis and Mizraim. So he started it in England, and briefly, as we you know we we, we said, he he got he got some. Uh, some uh, permission to get it get it going, uh, but eventually the same thing happened. Of course, you know, they realized that that it was uh, that so many of the degrees were just lifted from Scottish right that that uh, Grand Lodge of England, I don't believe, recognizes it. You know, at this point either. And but John Yarker, uh, he, as as we have already said, John Yarker edited. And the English translation of, of these rites, and he did a lot of editing and and and, and improving because he was quite a, quite a good uh, Masonic scholar. And he and he also he added von Hun's Craterapoa, which is of course very very important to us. And uh, so he added the Craterapoa. He but what Yarker did when he added the Craterapoa is he squeezed all seven degrees of crater pulling down into one degree that he put into uh, in his version of uh, the Rite of Memphis, and he called it the Sage of Mithras, 
It's the 64th degree. Now, it's, it's a nice, he did a nice job of condensing, uh, of course, Paul Christian in, 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 in history and practice of magic, Paul Christian condensed, condensed the two and the initiation into the pyramids, but that was just the one that we started off with. But Yarker, um, Yarker had his translation of Craterapola was from the one of the German one of the German versions, which um, which got translated into French, and so Yarker got it from the French, uh, along with the rest of the uh, right of Memphis, I guess, and uh, and he then he translated it into English. And as most of you know, Manley Hall published it as Freemasonry of the, of the Ancient Egyptians. Now, uh, what uh, Yarker called it the, 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 the 64th degree of Memphis and Mizraim, the Sage of Mithras. Now, uh, this is this, this is, is a valid a valid uh, analogy because there is a lot of Mithraic symbolism in in Hermetic philosophy and in Hermetic, uh, uh, well, if you want to call it theology, and uh, and also um, uh, vice versa, the Hermetic tradition influenced the Mithraism, the Western Western version of Mithraism, and the Western version of Mithraism in turn and, and influenced Hermetic magic, and so there, there's there's a, there's an interchange here. There's a lot of similarities. But what Yarker did that is important, and, and uh, uh, when there, in in uh, the original German version of Craterapola by von Hund, um, there is a a cipher, a, mag- a magical cipher called the Royal Beam Cipher. Now this is a this is a 24-letter version of Pigpen. And for those of you who don't know what Pigpen is, well, you should. Pigpen is is a uh, is a cipher. It's a cipher grid, and it's very clever. And it's been used. Uh, it, it's been used in masonry and and in magic, and and it was even used in, uh, as a military cipher all the way up to the uh, uh, war between the states. And what it is is you take uh, you take two grids, two tic-tac-toe grids, and uh, in other words, you you draw you draw a couple of uh, pair of lines parallel to each other, and then you draw two more lines parallel to each other, uh, uh, coming down and 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 bisecting them, which gives you a square in the middle. Now, if you do this twice, and then you 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 end up with uh, 22 angles. Well, that's fine for the Hebrew alphabet, and that's uh, so. That's masonically that, that for, for quite a while. That's what they used, and Yorkerite does, and whatever. And uh, and uh, in in the Hermetic era in old Alexandria, where this whole thing got started, including the including the Kabbalah, uh, they used the twenty-four letter Greek alphabet. And and frankly, the Kabbalah was created originally on the 24-letter Greek alphabet. And why 24 letters rather than 22? Well, uh, they wanted to have uh, a letter, um, 12 letters across the zodiac, one one letter for each uh, 
uh, one letter for each uh, uh, decan of the zodiac for each, you know, not one each deck, one one letter for each for each sign going across, and uh, and then uh, and that that goes all the way up to the North Pole, and then you need then you then you whip this thing around uh, what we call Mustafa, and you go the other way, and then you get the, you get another twelve letters, and that goes all the way down to the South Pole. And this way, you have you have entabulated the entire universe. Is then is then has has a Greek has has a has a, uh, a, a series of grid of Greek letters applied to it. And we have an article on this in the seventh ray, uh, the third the third issue. Uh, you know, you know the, the seventh ray. That's what we call the green ray. And those of you who haven't gotten that, it's available on Amazon and. And I and they have them. They have them in stock right now. So you go ahead and you can one click uh, the green ray. That's the seventh, the seventh ray, uh, volume three. And it has this this the key to this. Uh, this this by the way was developed by the the Valentinian uh, uh, Christian Gnostic Marcus. He's the one who and who and uh, in fact uh, uh, Marcus's system. Uh, is the source of Kieran Berry's The Greek Kabbalah, which is another book you ought to have if you want to get into this. Um, so uh, what? So here, this 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 royal beam cipher. The way they did it, you know, here they have this 22 letter, two grids, which which give you 22 letter, 22 separate angles or squares or whatever. And and uh, in order to make it into into um, into 24. They just did an X in the in the center of one of the uh, in in the center of one of the chain of the middle chamber. They just they just bisected it, put an X in there, and then that gave them 24 angles. And so they could fill out the whole alphabet. And what you do, by the way, is you take one uh, one one uh, set of uh, letters, the first 12. Uh, they just go on the angles with no with nothing nothing in them. And then the second set of twelve, you put a dot in each one of the angles, and that indicates the second set of twelve. And that's that's the key to the cipher. Now, um, Yarker, Yarker, when he he published uh, a, a a translation from French into English of the Criterion, the one that Manley Hall uh, eventually published, and and he left out the royal beam cipher. He he referred to it, but he he didn't he didn't explain it. He didn't show it. Why? Because he wanted to save it for his sage of Mithras, which he inserted into M and M. Okay, so so uh, you have to in order to really to really find out about the royal beam cipher of Craterpoa. You gotta go. You gotta go to Yarker's version of Eminem, which of course we do, and uh, that that uh, part of it uh, is, you know, is, I I think is significant. There's other things, by the way. There's other there are other things in Eminem that that are valuable because it became, you know, it became a sort of a grab bag for everything that uh, that uh, people wanted to, you know, that, that people like Yarker wanted to preserve. So there there is there is a, there is a significant uh, there's significant things in uh, in in M&M. and I'm not saying there aren't even though uh, Pike and all the rest of them didn't think there were but they there are uh, let's let's skip to Kenneth McKenzie 
who, as you may remember, was the author of the Golden Dawn Cipher Manuscript. He did the, he did the Masonic Cyclopedia, and he says about this, Mizraim, right of, with which we shall discuss the right of Memphis. Lesh and that's that Frenchman that did, did Mizraim, is said to have founded this right, but there is evidence to prove that this is an error and that he only used previous material. Yeah, that's right. That's a, he, he minds gosh, right. In point of fact, the right of Mizraim rose out of Egyptian masonry, which Coriostro derived from an older source. The ancient and accepted right claims priority, but it is difficult to decide the historical merits of the question. It has been stated that 66 degrees of the right of Mizraim were taken from the ancient and accepted right, but as the latter had at first from the emperors of the east and west only 25 and 8 degrees added, so it is affirmed by Frederick II, surnamed the Great, it is difficult to understand how 66 can have been got out of 33. No, it's not difficult to understand uh, because they took them from both. They 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 they, they took uh, they took the 33 that uh, that Mizraim took, and then they took the 33 that uh, that uh, Mac, that that, um, uh, that Memphis took, and they combined them, so they had 66, and then they had to invent a bunch more because they had to change them. How uh, 66 should have gotten out of 33? This year, Jolie, Jolie, and the and the Vedarides and the, and the Vedarides soon spread the right all over Italy, and in 1814 it reached France, an absolute sovereign grandmaster uh, with iris, with irresponsible authority governs the right. But this system of government did not agree with the fraternity, and eleven brethren, among whom were Ragon and uh, Gabori, Nicolay, and me, and Mille, and others, united under the uh, presidency of Jolet to create and establish the right of Mizraim in its four series of and 90 degrees in virtues of the powers obtained from Naples. Now, I'm going to backtrack a little bit here because this is important. Um, um, Kenneth McKenzie here is referring to Coliostro. Nicolaeus's Egyptian right, and I don't think we we've ever we don't think we've ever done a show on Nicolaeus's Egyptian right. I think we've mentioned it a few times. Uh, it does have uh, it has some influence. It it, it probably had, uh, uh, but it certainly influenced uh, the right of Memphis as far as as their theology is concerned in this respect. It, rather than you know, they claim they they claim right of Mizraim claims to be Egyptian. Mizraim, by the way, is the name applied to ancient Egypt in the chapter ten of the Book of Genesis, when they're naming all the all the uh, nations of the of the world at that time. Mizraim was what they called Egypt. So, uh, uh, what Coriostro did because he was uh, masonry was so biblical 
and Coliostro uh, was a you know a very conscientious Mason, in spite of some of the things that they said about him. Yeah, Orson Welles doing that movie on him, you know, whatever. But you know, uh, Coliostro was 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 a really a dedicated Mason and and very very bright. He he wanted to keep uh, the, 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 his Egyptian right in in keeping with the Bible. So as far as Coriostro was concerned, uh, Enoch and Seth were older than Isis and Osiris. Yeah, because the Bible said that these are antediluvian. Now, this, by the way, is where our whole antediluvian Masonic uh, tradition comes from. It starts, it really, I think it starts with Coriostro. Now, I think probably Frater Herbert would probably disagree with me on this, but... but uh, but I think no, I think Coriostro is the he really set the tone for this. And so you go into Genesis and and Mizraim and of course Memphis, you know, it was a, was the one of the main holy centers in, in Egypt where they had the uh, temple. I forget which which big temple was there, but there was certainly so you know Memphis is a sacred city. Now, uh, as I said. Coriostro believed that, that that the prophets, the, the antediluvian prophets, and that's primarily Enoch and Seth, were were uh, more significant and, and earlier than even than, than Isis and Osiris, the rest of them. And and uh, and this is where we get this, the, where we come to the, the the legends of the of the of the the pillars, the pillars of, of Hermes and Seth. And uh, you know, you know, especially if you if you if, you know been through an OTA second degree, you're very familiar with that. But but uh, the, the the pillars in the temple, these were supposedly created um, uh, before the flood and uh, covered with significant hieroglyphics. Uh, and uh, so uh, even though this is supposed to be, and some of this crept into the credit report, even though this is supposed to be uh, ancient Egyptian, this that is more it is more uh, Genesis pre-flood biblical than it really is ancient Egyptian. I mean, we're not talking about about Ptah and Amun Ra and, and and Isis and Osiris and Horus. We're not talking about that at all. Uh, that's all came later, as far as these guys were concerned, and so we're we're uh, the underpinning of all of this is is antediluvian. What I mean by that is before the flood, and, uh, uh, and some people, you know, get get into this and they and they and they run with it and they think that that the that the book of uh, that the book of Enoch, Ethiopian Enoch, is comes from that era. Well, it claims that it does, but it really doesn't. need the Obi Enoch is not that old, but it, but it's uh, it um, anyway. Uh, what I was that this is where this this antediluvian tradition, even the all the way into masonry, and we find it in New York right, and we find it in we even find echoes of it in Scottish right, um, but especially in in the right of Memphis, uh, this underlies the right of Memphis. And uh, that's uh, one thing that, that I wanted to point out because masonry is 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 it, 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 it's going to be biblical because we're working our way up to Solomon's Temple, and and uh, and 
And so they're, they're, they're certainly going to have as much biblical symbolism and biblical mythology as they can, part, they can work in. Uh, now, uh, let's, um, let's get into, uh, into uh, Yarker's uh, version here. Um, Yarker's version, uh, I'll, I'll read you a little bit of the... Um, I'll read you a little bit of the uh, Sage of Mithras here that he, that he, um, okay, let's see. Uh, a Julian symbol, a delta, in the middle of which is a parallelogram with seven, seven points. That should be familiar to somebody. Uh, okay. Conduct the aspirant to the, at this point, conduct the aspirant to the Hieros Talista, that he may be instructed in our secret cipher, after which let him be seated. And the Hydranos takes, takes him over to the Hydros Talista. And the Hydros Talista says, Our Armenian alphabet, is that of the ancient Egyptian priests and formed of, out of three diagrams. First is the uh, the tri- is the triangle, the origin of all of all things. Second is the square, the sign of truth. Third is the X, or the or the uh, you know, like the cross of Saint Andrew, which was the uh, was the nth degree of perfection. And if you run the triangle around uh, about its its center, you obtain this figure, and they show a Maltese crosser. With these ciphers, you obtain our alphabet. It was called the Amenian, and the royal building beam. And consult, and then they have consult uh, Plutarch's uh, De Mori uh, Fratermo, and and uh, Neodorus Sicalus uh, in uh, in. Uh, and Brokart and whatever. So they're giving, like in the Crateropoa. Now, the Crateropoa, uh, as those of you who are familiar with it, is is actually a very scholarly piece of work because Von Hund, when they put it together, he 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 consulted every every classical source to try to reconstruct the, a, an Alexandrian uh, hermetic hermetic initiation, and he did a great job. And and uh, and and yet. Uh, uh, he did a great job, except when he got to ast- to to, uh, to the astronomical degree, and then he uh, he, he must have uh, he must have uh, decided that, that that somehow or other that he didn't like astrology, and, and that of course was very sad because that's the bedrock of of hermetic magic, and and uh, um, you know we we pointed that out in our version of the Craterapoa. Which uh, that I thought at that time. Now, now I thought when we pointed that out, I thought that that he was influenced. That von Hun was influenced by the Illuminati. Because the Illuminati, well, they had their own particular astrological calendar, but 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 otherwise they 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 did not like uh, uh, any of the contemporary astrology. So I thought it was it was an influence of the Illuminati on on, on uh, in that in the astronomist degree. Actually, it wasn't because the Craterapoa came before the Illuminati, and we found out just recently that the Illuminati took 
the fourth degree of Craterapoa, Chista Forest, they took it and they lifted it out and they put it into the, their Minerval, uh, one of their Minerval degrees, and they communicated it. When I say, now this is another point, a good point to understand. There are two ways to, to there are two ways to give someone a degree. If you confer the degree, this means that you are that you are you have him in the lodge room and you are and, and you have the officers they're in regalia and and you walk him around the lodge room to the stations and you actually put him through his initiation. That's conferring a degree. If you communicate a degree you can do that by reading it to him, uh, or you can put it, you put a copy of it in an envelope and mail it to him with a, with a, you know, a, a letter saying congratulations, you're now a prince of the royal chamber pot or something like that. You can do that. Uh, and so what the Illuminati did was they took they took the fourth degree of Crater Poet and they communicated it, they read it to their to their Minervals. And then, after they read it, they gave them their owl medallion, and uh, and you know the, the, the little owl medallion of the Illuminati. And uh, when we found that out, we decided, okay, well now we can hide now. They, if they did that, with the, they did that to Crateropoa. Well, Crateropoa can can now have their owl. So uh, you guys, you guys uh, who who uh, you know want to you want to get you want to get get up to your fourth degree. You, we owe those of you who have fourth degree, uh, you're entitled to an owl. But uh, but don't expect us to give you one at this point. <laughs> we have to, we're going to have to charge you for 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 the owl when we get them. However, uh, if you want your Illuminati owl, we're going to have them. And uh, and basically, we have them because uh, because uh, you know. Our, uh, our 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 fourth degree got got communicated to them. That's the difference. But now, uh, let me point something else out here. This is another way that that, that that a lodge can become clandestine. You can become clandestine if you start communicating, either conferring or communicating genuine Masonic degrees. Now, um, the the. Uh, the M and M did this. They 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 had all these Masonic degrees that they collected, and they were communicating a lot of them there because they didn't have it. You know, there was a lot of them that that all they had was a paragraph. And if you, you read Greenfield's book, so-called Complete Right of Memphis, most of them are just paragraphs. And you know, these things were communicated. And uh, if they were conferred, somebody just just read you the paragraph, and maybe he put his hand on your shoulder and said, "Now you're a." Now you're uh, a knight of the a knight of the of the, uh, the royal the royal uh, uh, you know the royal uh, broom closet or something like that. But but the uh, what what the Illuminati did and it uh, and they they you know shouldn't have done it. They said, well, at this particular point. It, we have all these uh, Scottish Rite degrees. Uh, we have all these degrees, and and and, and for a fee, uh, and, and a fairly large fee, they said, we will we will you know put them all in an envelope for you, and and, and we'll give them to you. 
uh, if you're, but, but you probably won't like them. You probably won't learn anything from them. But but if you want them, you, you can have them. Uh, we'll communicate, but you have to make a donor, you know, a large donation for that. Uh, and uh, in a sense, uh, the M and M was kind of doing the same thing. They were. This is one of the one of the objections that that Pike and and, and others had to them that they that it was M and M B was a kind of a in a degree mill, and they were getting money for their degrees. Well, in fact, uh, Crowley, when he did his OTO rituals, uh, he he presumed to absorb M&M into the OTO. Oh, yeah, I, I used to have a, a copy of Crowley's uh, original OTO rituals in his own handwriting. I eventually, when it started to fade off, I turned it over to Juan Duquette, but, but you can see in there, where he's where he's talking about we you know, we 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 have all the rights of of, of Memphis and Mizraim uh, and uses their uh, but then where he made he made a bad mistake was at a certain point in the OTO rituals he told he to, the the um, uh, I don't think it's Saladin at that point I think it's uh, some other officer tells the candidate you are now entitled to. Uh, all of the degrees of Scottish Rite, or or a certain section of the degrees of Scottish Rite, and we'll bestow them upon you. And uh, that right there, uh, unless they unless they change that, the OTO that would that would would have meant if they didn't change it, then they did. They there wouldn't be an, an OTO member in California that could, could that could that could sit in a California lodge until they changed that. And they, they they were smart enough to take it out, but um, um, let me say uh, this you know before we uh, get to the end of this. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, I was discussing this and, and that little incident, and then another incident that about this clandestine thing that, uh, and I I mentioned I said that uh, I said that my 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 friend and brother. Uh, uh, Worshipful Michael Downs had sicked Jeff Peace on me, and and that that, uh, that then Jeff Peace tried to get uh, me and other California Masons here in this area involved in one of their M&M uh, uh, extravaganzas, and uh, and I had to go ahead and get uh, get in touch with uh, well the legal officer at Grand Lodge and find out just what what we could do and what we couldn't do, and I want to make it clear that I did not mean to imply that Worshipful Michael Downs was connected with M&M. He did refer Jeff Peace, who was the promoter of, of, uh, of M&M. Uh, he did refer Jeff to, he told Jeff Peace, well, if you want to get, if you want to get in touch with, uh, with uh, esoteric masons in California, you should get in touch with Polk Runyon and you ought to get in touch with Lon Duquette. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know whether he, Jeff ever got in touch with uh, with Lon um, um, Duquette, but he sure got in touch with me, and naturally, because Crater Apollo was part of Yarker's uh, M and M, I I was interested, you know, sure, you know, that's uh, uh, yeah, and 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 you can, you know, you can be interested in M and M, and if you belong to the College of Rights where it where it, it where it resides, you can go study it. Uh, and, and any Mason can belong to the College of Rights if he, if he, if he wants to. But uh, uh, and the, however, 
what Jeff Peace, uh, first Alan Greenfield published this short version, which was not complete, and then Jeff Peace uh, decided that he would promote get this thing launched. And but what he wanted to do, and where Jeff Peace made his his big mistake, was that he wanted he wanted to get Memphis Mizraim. Uh, to get regular Masons into it, because regular Masons had been, it had, he in other words, he was going to he he wanted to read to start the the turf war between between uh, Memphis and Mizraim uh, back in the in the 1800s. He wanted to start it all over again, and uh, and um, and that this was a mistake because. Uh, they they came they came out here and and they rented the Glendale Masonic Center and then they 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 got in touch with all of the major the esoteric masons that they knew in Southern California and they and they said well uh, we're going to put on this uh, this uh, uh, we're going to have a, a meet and greet a meet and greet downstairs in the dining room and and uh and we're gonna put you know have graphics and we'll have uh we'll have a you know a dog and pony show and and then we're gonna have a ritual upstairs in the lodge room and and be and, and you be sure and bring your dues card and you know and show us that you're a regular mason and you can come to the ritual well um i uh i am you know i, I saw this and you know i thought well gee uh, that'd be interesting but I thought, I wondered, uh-oh, uh, what about this showing your dues card? So I called up uh, the Grand Lodge uh, legal officer, uh, who I happen to know, and and, uh, and I ran this by him, and he said, whoa, he said, you guys could go to the dog and pony show. Go go to the dog and pony show, and eat all their crackers and cheese and drink their wine, do whatever you want, but don't go up to, into that ritual to show if you show your dues card and you go in you're you're in trouble because you know that you're then you're participating in a, in, in a clandestine masonic activity because m and m is definitely considered by Grand Lodge California to be clandestine and uh and so uh you know i I put the word out to all of my uh, masonic friends and said well we gotta we gotta we gotta be be careful here and yeah, as a result of that, I, di- I didn't even go to the dog and pony show. I, I, I suppose I should, I should have because because I am, you know, I am interested in 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 the material. Like I said, Crater Apollo got got scarfed up in, in the M and M, uh, and 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 along and 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 they saved our and they saved our Royal Beam Cipher for us, which was which was good. Uh, so. Uh, the the, uh, the the order of Memphis and Mizraim. By the way, I think I was looking up on the internet, cruising around on it, on and looking for it, and I got right across its its page, and you can find it. You know, uh, I think now they, I hopefully they've gotten over this business of trying to trying to get regular Masons into it, so non Masons can can get into it. Well, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not saying you shouldn't. And uh, uh, but for heaven's sake, if you do, don't do what some OTO uh, masons did, and that is go into a lodge room and do a, an M and M right by exemplification. And you can find this on YouTube, by the way. It's a it's a bunch of young OTO guys 
in a, in a, in an OTO temple, and they're exemplifying uh, one of the. Uh, uh, what I mean by exemplifying is is they're staging it. That, that means if you exemplify it right, you're staging it, but but you're not you're staging it, but you're not uh, you're not bestowing it, you're not conferring it, and uh, you know it's it's, it's it, that that's that's how we. That's how we we uh, we stage it right, you know. If we just want to stage it without actually initiating somebody, and these kids are in there giving Masonic grade signs, like they they were, and, and I looked at this and I thought, oh gosh, you know, why 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 endanger? Uh, this endangers doing this endangers all of the OTO members in the entire state that they did this in. Are put in jeopardy by them doing something like this, uh, and uh, uh, so I I want to caution you, those of you who are Masons. I want to caution you. I don't know about co-Masons. I don't know what the, well I don't know what the co-Masonic jurisdictions attitude toward this is. But uh, if you're not a Mason, or if 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 your particular jurisdiction is um, is um, sympathetic to these people, some of them may be. Uh, uh, then go ahead, you know, uh, you know, because because uh, there is there is interesting material in here, and uh, and you know the the M and M people have have uh, you know they're they're trying to get this thing going. So I'm not I'm not I don't want to give the impression that I don't like it or anything like that. I'm just a little bit afraid of it. <laughs> that's about that's about the. Uh, uh, you know the, uh, the reason for caution, but it's interesting. It's very interesting, and it does have some very interesting material in it. So that just about wraps us up. And uh, next week uh, we've got some real, really interesting, really interesting material that just came in. Uh, and and uh, that I'm trying to get a work up another show uh, that will be hopefully just as. Exciting and informative as this one, and and uh, and so until then, good magic. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.